0: You just don't get, huh? Lord, let me know if you got us preaching about prophets. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to the goddess. Goddess.
1: Got it. Goddess. Got it. Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Power Half Hour, your podcast and radio show to encourage, educate, and empower you on your path through womanhood. I'm your host and women's empowerment specialist, Kelly Hickey. I'm the director of Strong Women Co., A company designed to help women be their strongest, happiest, and healthiest selves. We have one on one programs, online, and in person workshops. In person workshops are back, everyone, Uh, and more. Follow us up on Facebook and Instagram for daily inspiration and motivation. And of course, join our free online tribe. That's a Facebook group uh, to connect with women all over the world. Links in the show notes. Uh, And make sure to subscribe to this podcast uh, to get all of our upcoming shows. And if there's anyone that you know that could benefit, um, from the message of this podcast. This is how it, we, we share the message of, of sisterhood and, and woman power and looking at things a different way so we can create a better world. Um, it's literally... This is democracy, really. You know how we are educating and sharing ideas uh, amongst each other, and that's one of my favorite things about podcasting. Is you know anyone can do it, um, so it really is kind of a voice of the people. Um, so if this resonates with you, or you think it would resonate with someone else, please share. And of course, I am your host. Uh, I am Kelly Hickey. Uh, I am so thrilled to be with you here today. Um, my original home is in Newfoundland Canada but I'm coming to you from a city uh, just south of Amsterdam in the Netherlands and uh wow I will say uh, what a week what a few weeks <laughs> what, a, what a few months it has been um I want to give a shout out to everyone who's having a hard time right now um and processing and figuring things out I know a lot of things are going on astrologically and just the reality of kind of this this world we are kind of post-pandemic but should we be who knows um we're all feeling our way through it um after the shell shock of the last couple of years and then of course the goings-on in geopolitical realities and uh the uh, aggressive war in ukraine there's just there's a lot and i know a lot of our listeners are powerful uh, people and powerful women who are empaths uh, like myself, and uh, I will say that it has been rough. It's been um, it's been a lot to feel, a lot to process, a lot to kind of just wade through, so that we could still have some kind of livable life while you know understanding and, and figuring out what we can do to to help our uh, our brethren, our fellow humans. So shout out to, to um, all of us who are going through a lot. Um, this week in particular, I just don't know a single friend of mine who hasn't been put through the ringer and that's the ringer washer. So you're like, squeeze the crap out of, um, uh, and torn and, and, uh, figuring out and boundaries going up and facing darkest fears and, uh, all that stuff, all that. If, if you are into astrology, it's all that Aries moon <laughs> energy. And my moon, uh, is in Aries. So I, I am a deep feeler and understand that. Uh, so, so huge love to you and give yourself some love and some ease up. And I will tell you, listen up. This is a message for you. Uh, it's not just you. It's any of us who have a, uh, thinking brain and and a feeling heart. Um, it's always been hard to be human. Um, and now that we know so much and, and, and we still don't seem to be learning from it. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. And we are here because we are birthing a new world. Um, and that doesn't come from ease. Um, that of course is like any birth, is. there's labor involved. Um, if you're birthing a book, if you're, if you're birthing a, a program, if you're birthing an idea, if you're birthing a human, um, a, a new life, a new house, a manifestation, um, you know, it, it does take, uh, that labor, that some, some kind of work on your behalf, um, that the universe is like, Oh, this is what you want. Hmm? Okay. Well, you have some lessons to do to get there. Uh, maybe speaking from experience, uh, but, uh, yeah, just kind of ease up on yourself, give yourself love. Um, and this is not a time to be hard on ourselves. So I'm going to just take one breath. I'm going to encourage you to take a breath here now and gather our whole selves up. Um, I got a topic I can't wait to dig into with you uh, right now Um, so if I could encourage you so we're just going to relax our bodies if you can close your eyes Um, that's great so we're just going to notice our breaths and see how they feel notice the cool air going in through your nose and the warm air coming out relax your jaw relax your shoulders pull them away from your ears Relax the space between your eyes. Imagine relaxing your hair, your scalp. Relax your knuckles and your wrists. Give some love and relax your knees and your ankles. We're going to do a nice big breath in and fill up all of our lungs so they're stretched beautifully starting now. And hold. And let it out with a sigh. <sighs> All right, now that we've gathered our whole selves up, let's do this. Bada 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 All right, I feel like uh, I haven't talked to you in so long. <laughs> because it has been a long time um like many people I have I had a lot going on um and just trying to walk the walk and be kind to myself and also just like professionally had uh, a a lot going on i am excited that in-person workshops are going now and the whole reason well a, a big part of the reason i agreed to come and live in europe was the opportunity to speak to more people and meet more people and have workshops and hopefully that's on the go again i have been invited to speak um in amsterdam at the european women in technology um a summit that they're having. I'm going to be speaking specifically about how to be a better communicator uh, as a woman in a male-dominated field. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and uh, some more things are coming alive. If you, uh, your workplace are, are looking for a workshop online or want to fly me in, um, of course, you can just email me at kelly at strongwomanco.com. Uh, I do a wide range of topics, but I'm just super excited uh, that that's happening again. Um, and uh, I have other things things um in the works in the creative juices in the flow uh, but I will only give you a teaser on those that right now and uh just to mention the my trip to Lourdes in France um oh, so eye-opening I'm still kind of understanding what it all meant but I've never been in a place that had acknowledged uh that that had so many women rep- like just in 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 statues and images it was just I, I, sometimes you don't realize how male soaked our culture is until you go to a place where women or a woman or a woman figure is revered and you're like whoa this is different <laughs> so um just having that kind of in my psyche has been um encouraging and um also just kind of healing I would say to, uh, to the hurts that the patriarchy has inflicted. So highly recommend it was on my bucket list. Um, and I couldn't even always understand why, but, but now I do. Sometimes the universe just speaks to us. Um, and to segue from that and women's representation being so important and and the power of women and women being seen as important and, and leaders and in, uh, you know, politics and and spirituality and all of those things. Let's go to the topic of today's show. Uh, If mothers ran the world, there would be no more wars or no more war. Um, And uh, this came up a a few times now, of course, uh, since the Ukrainian um, uh, invasion, aggressive, uh, needless invasion of the Russians. Um, and, and I, uh, I spent a summer in Russia, um, uh, when, uh, in 2002, uh, of course, feels like a lifetime ago now it was 20 years. Whoa. Uh, so I, I, and it was a, it was a culture that I found fascinating, the history and the literature and, and, you know, they, it is, it is a rich culture. Um, and, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking. Um, what's, what's occurring now? Uh, but that's, the, those words don't suffice at all and I know you feel it too. So when the topic kind of came up a few weeks ago uh, it was from uh, one of the posts on the Strong Woman Co. business page. Um, There's been a lot of activity um, on the business page lately. I'm happy to be a a community space for people to share ideas and discuss. Um, One of our our bigger hits uh, in the last couple of days has been um, about the whole Pixar Turning Red movie, and I mean, you know, the the um, so-called controversy over that because uh, maxi pads are in a scene. I swear <laughs> it's just like so silly. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, we loved it. Um, and uh, Justin and I watched it and were like, they were complaining about kids learning about periods from that is that it we were just like in shock but uh anyway um one of the things that kind of did spark uh, a lot of um conversation and comments and and um a small bit of controversy in the comments of the strong Women co um post was uh i it was about three weeks ago now and i had uh posted um uh something with a quote from E.M. Forster. And E.M. Forster, he wrote, um, uh, Howard's End and, uh, A Room with a View. Anyway, a famous, um, author. And so one of his quotes from years and years ago is, I am sure that if mothers of various nations could meet, there would be no more wars. And I wrote that because it did light a fire in my belly. Um, as I, as I watch Another male led war, needless war of aggression and domination um, that's looking more and more like uh, genocide every day. And uh, so that sparked some, um, uh, a lot of people saying, yes, exactly. I've thought about this for, for ages. My mother said this her whole life. This is the comments. And then some people um, uh, mentioned something to the effect of, no, women are just as bad. And it's not just. Mothers, fathers wouldn't start wars either. And it's like, "Ah, that's not true. (laughs) Putin's a father. Uh, George W. was a father. George H. W. was a father. You know, um, there were most wars were probably started by fathers. Uh, and, uh, you know, it kind of brings up this interesting conversation and I'm not a biological determinist by any kind of way, but we also have to look at the data at our feet and who, who has started and maintained and caused wars. And, you know, like, I'll just get this out of the way in the front, you know, if you learn about Spartan mothers, sure. Um, they seem kind of battle focused, um and uh, were kind of uh, harsh uh you know to, to use a kind of simplistic word um and they would uh create their children particularly their sons to go off to war to protect Sparta but really you know that is kind of an exception to the rule uh in most cases in most cultures um that we know of women and mothers are uh not encouraging of or starting or um uh you know uh, the initiators of war or aggression or, or any of those things and i think this is an important conversation we need we need to have and uh I, i'd like to uh, there's another quote um that i also posted uh and i'm going to repost in the promotion for this show And this one's from Meryl Streep, and I'm pretty sure it's from Meryl Streep because I did find it um, in numerous places that she was quoted as saying this. So the lovely, lovely Meryl Streep. She said, I do honestly think that if women were running the world, there would be more investment in peace. Because basically, as women, we do not want to see our children killed. Maybe I'm completely idealistic but until we see women in equal positions of power in the world, I think that we are doomed. That's pretty powerful words, you know, and, and I, I find it hard to disagree with any part of that. Um, what, what do you think? It's, it's something, again, to add to the conversation, um, and we can look at the, those countries that are led by women, um, and, and these women who, who are currently leading are still leading in a patriarchal world. Um, so it's not even necessarily fair to judge them, you know, of, of having, uh, yes, they, they bring values of their life experience as a woman. However, um, they're still playing this patriarchal game, um, because we still have the Vladimir Putin's of the world who want to rule by force. And it's very hard to deal with someone who wants to just, you know, believe that might is right. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave with one, uh, well, I'll, go to one more quote um, that I thought was even uh, kind of more expressive of what what I'm talking about here, as maybe we should start to have a conversation about how women should really be in leadership so that we can um, have a humanity that that is that is worth um, uh, saving so that we can have a world uh, you know, without nuclear war so that we can stop killing each other and killing, um, each other's children. Um, and so this is from Mary Elizabeth Lease, uh, and she was born in 1850 and died in 1933. So the quote was sometime in her lifetime. Uh, so you're thinking probably, you know, early 1900s, 1920s, something like that. And she is super interesting, um, lady, when I looked her up on, um, on Wikipedia, Mary Elizabeth Lease, uh, was an American lecturer, writer, and Georgist, a political activist. She was an advocate for the suffragist movement, as well as temperance, meaning she was, uh, against, uh, uh, selling of alcohol, which a lot of women were back then because men were getting so violent, um, on, on alcohol. Uh, and it wasn't likely that we were going to stop. patriarchy from being violent, they were just trying to take a tool away. Uh, But anyway, but she's best known for her work as the People's Party. She was born to Irish immigrants. um, And uh, she made her political debut in 1888 with the Union Labor Party. Uh, She was referred to as the People's Joan of Arc. And, uh, you know, she was a, uh, she was called Qu- our Queen Mary, uh, while campaigning with the populist candidate, uh, to run for president in 1892. She said, uh, back in the late 1880s, uh, Wall Street owns this country. She opposed big business, uh, and was very before her time. They also called her Mother Lise, um, and her, uh, by her supporters and her enemies called her Mary Yellen, which <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that's funny. And I was like, oh, Kelly Yellen. I'll I'll take that. I, I would definitely take that as a, a nickname for my um, enemies, says I'm doing something right. Uh, but so this is the quote from her that is very powerful. Um, and this is before two world War wars and just uh, after, I assume, the Civil War of uh, America. And she says, if men cannot get along without shedding of blood and putting the knife to the throat of a brother... Let them no longer set themselves up as guides and rulers, but confess their self evident insufficiency and turn the management of affairs over to the mothers who will temper their justice with love and enthrone mercy on the highways. I thought, you know, what a badass, first of all. It was badass for Meryl Streep to say what she said, you know, it probably 10 or Fifty-eight years ago, but for this woman to say it over a hundred years ago, um, uh, just, you know, what, what a, what a force. Um, but she saw the truth of it then. Um, and, uh, it's some, it's a conversation that I think we, we can have, um, because we need to have it. We need to have a conversation about the way that things are going are not working the way that we have treated leadership by letting the one, the person with the biggest ego, uh, you know, or, or the, um, uh, the strong man is often what it's said, uh, electing that person or letting that person lead, um, it is anti-social, it is anti-evolutionary, it is anti-human it is anti-mother earth uh this this mutual destruction idea of the patriarchy the dominance We, we we need to change and we need to change it Um, dramatically and I know such a change is not an overnight change but this is the kind of change that conversations like this allow for we need to dismantle this idea that it's normal for men to lead and it's normal for wars and it's normal to kill each other and no it is not and we can you know we've hung our hat on the thing of human nature a lot and mostly it's been an excuse to excuse away the patriarchy and say oh it's so human nature for people to fight that is not true there are many parts of the world who uh, are, do not fight with one another, who mostly are, are matrilineal or matriarchal, um, who honor and revere women. Um, most indigenous uh, peoples, uh, you know, they don't have weapons like the Europeans uh, have. And uh, back in the day, you know, when, when the colonialism was going on, it was why how the Europeans were able to dominate. Uh, so much was the indigenous people just, you know, they had their, their uh, hunting for food um, tools, but they were not for necessarily hunting uh, or hurting each other. And that is not to say that, you know, a tribal conflict did not occur, you know, from time to time over whatever. Sure, to be human is to know and understand and go through conflict. However, um, there is no evidence that um, indigenous peoples, uh, and people who did not do not adhere to the tradition, tradition of patriarchy ever had anything like war like we understand it now and, uh, you know, uh, we need to have the conversation about maybe it's because how girls are socialized, maybe because we are taught more pro-social behavior. We are taught to get along. We're taught that, you know, it's, our needs aren't necessarily the only needs of the world. And, and, and we're taught to take care of each other. You know, little girls are more encouraged to, to, to have the baby dolls and all of that. And maybe it's that, you know, we, we can have that conversation. Uh, maybe it, it, it's, it's other things too that, that tie into it. Um, you know, I will certainly say having had, um, uh, the, gone through the, the process of birth, um, uh, and pregnancy and all of that myself, um, I certainly have been changed and, uh, I was always a passionate woman, um. But now, you know, um, I'm, I'm, my passion has been magnified e- even more because of, you know, I literally have my, my, my genes. I'm hoping she can have a life that is recognizable to me, uh, climate wise and peace wise, or, you know, uh, for a while, for a long time, I hope she would live in a better world than I did growing up with the whole gender piece and 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 now with the way things have gone um I'm hoping she has a world that's literally you know recognizable to me um especially with all the extreme weather and that so uh you know and it's not just mothers but it's especially mothers I will tell you after going through the trouble of making and growing and keeping alive a human you would think differently about sending someone else's child into war or death and I will give a shout out to President Biden. I think that uh, I'm, I'm, you know, he's a good leader for this time right now because he did have um, a son, um, who, who, one or two of his sons, who did um, uh, actively participate as a soldier in war. Um, and then who uh, who succumbed to injuries, um, uh, likely from what he experienced in, uh, war torn, um, his tour. Um, and so I think, and I think that's part of the reason why Biden's like no more, no troops in there. I, I understand it's very, very, very difficult to, to put, send your, your children out into harm's way. Um, and I would say that, you know, if mothers did run the world, there would be no war and that would be for a few things that like I just mentioned that it's hard to send someone out that, that it just takes a lot of work it takes a lot of work to make and grow and keep alive another human being let alone how much you love them and all of that um, but if we, mothers ran the world it, we would have a different world if mothers ran the world um, uh, it would mean that we are not in a patriarchy. And if we were not in a patriarchy, a system that overvalues men and undervalues women, a system that's based in dominance and opposes collaboration, uh, we would not have wars because we would have different ideals. We would have different values. And instead of this dog-eat-dog individualist, the winner-takes-all kind of idea that late stage capitalism has set up for us, we would have ideals about creating a livable life for ourselves now and creating a wonderful future for our children. We would have ideals about how can we work together to have a lush beautiful life of equality with joy uh, and sharing and collaboration and partnership um, and and not one that's all about I want the biggest piece of the pie I don't care what you get. If mothers ran the world that would mean we revered and honored women. That would mean that we honored life, because this is what mothers are—they are life givers, literally. And there's various ways to be mothers, absolutely. And I'm meaning in a kind of like an all-encompassing uh, kind of term. And for anyone who isn't a you know a traditional kind of mother or uh, anyone who doesn't identify uh, with that word. I know in your heart, you can still feel and imagine how different the world would be if it was ran by mothers. Those who have not been seeped in the toxic masculinity their whole lives, like mothers, like women, would be less likely to act in such dick measuring Women break the script more often than men. The, the script that takes us down, the script of patriarchy, the script of the status quo. We break it more often because we do not benefit from said script. It often disadvantages us. So we don't fall in line, oh, oh I'm just following orders, no, if you look at who has most dissented um, particularly in the last few decades but really you can look out through history, uh, women have been the bravest to speak out, it's women who ended child uh, slavery and child uh, workhouses, it's women who uh, brought up issues about animal rights, it's it's women who um, uh, fought for reading and writing of the poor. You know, it's, it's women who, uh, realize that we need to work together. We are more pro socially minded and there's probably 10,000 reasons for that, but I'm just looking at the evidence of how women work together and how women leaders have demonstrated that they are more equality minded. Um, And sure, you're going to have your Margaret Thatcher's you your in Canada, we had Kim Campbell, you know, again, these are women, they were they were the women who were at the top technically, but they had Margaret Thatcher didn't have a single other woman <laughs> in her government, right? So uh, you know, you're only allowed um, at the top of of the the patriarchal hierarchy as a woman if you look and sound and do like a man. So uh, uh, being extra conservative and very anti woman and 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 all of those things is, is somehow they, the patriarchy lets you in if if you prove your your non-womanness in some kind of weird way. Also, women, we are not indoctrinated with the same compliance of that status quo. And I love the example, um, that, uh, slave ships with more women on them. So I shouldn't use that language. This is, this is my shorthand. So when, um, different European, uh, nations, uh, kidnapped and enslaved people from Africa, and there was millions Um, that went uh, in North America, Caribbean, South America, um, all all over. And uh, it's very interesting uh, to look at the ship logs, because many of those ships did not make it to their destination. Um, There was mutiny. um, And of course, there was much more uh, enslaved people, many more enslaved people than um, the, the white men who were uh, tr- kidnapping and, and, um, uh, dominating and trying to steal these people from their homeland and their lives and their freedom. And what's very interesting is the ships that, uh, that had mutiny and didn't make it to the, um, their destination. Uh, there were ships where there was more women on them. There was more women who were enslaved on the ships that went up in mutiny. So those women, uh, fought, and, and, and said, no, you cannot do this to us and came together. And I always think of that as, as a, as a real kind of light and hope. And yes, those, many of those people died and it was horrendous, but, but they would not be enslaved. Um, and there's just something, uh, that, that, that's so powerful about that. And I often think of, um, uh the the quote uh i was reading and it was uh you can't kill me in a way that matters you know um you will not you will not get my spirit you will not uh get my um who i am and uh you know uh the reality is uh, non patriarchal cultures uh we talked about indigenous you know there's all kinds of even um european uh cultures uh if you go back far enough and scandinavian cultures African cultures, uh, non-patriarchal cultures, uh, a lot of those cultures would have grandmothers as elders who were revered for their wisdom and their greater good consciousness. Because with with such power, with such such, um, uh, leadership comes this huge responsibility of the greater good. And this is something I don't hear. I don't hear male leaders talk about the greater good. I I hear them talking about dollars and cents and culture wars and taxes and, and, um, oil revenues and, and all of those things. But I, I need uh, leaders to talk about the greater good, to talk about today and tomorrow, and, and to talk about how we can work collectively to make things better on each other. That's what we need. That's who we need leading. And that should be our focus this this reality of, of having to talk about and think about and deal with this aggressive, aggressive war in Ukraine, it's so freaking frustrating. And you know what we're not talking about when we're talking about and thinking about and spending all this energy uh, on this issue of, of war in Ukraine, this needless barbarism. We're not talking about climate change. We're not talking about, you know, right away, I mean, the EU actually has been great uh, in a lot of ways. The, the EU is, is just to get off oil uh, from Russia. They have stepped up huge um, in their green energy. Um, the Netherlands is doubling their wind uh, input from, from their, uh, for their electricity, uh, all kinds of, um, the countries around are doing the same, but unfortunately, I, um, uh, Belgium is keeping their nuclear reactors for another 10 years, uh, because of the, of reliance on Russian oil. So it's not all, it's not all going in, in the green energy, um, way and no nuclear energy is not green energy. I, I, if you want to have a conversation with that, sure, just email me. Um, but, uh, I, I want, I want more conversations about the greater good. And I know that if women ran the world, we would be talking about this. If mothers ran the world, there would be no more war and there would be more conversations and values and plans and policies and legislation around the greater good. And I used to buy the lies that women are just as bad as men. I totally bought that line, hook, line, and sinker. Um, I actually used to think it was part of my feminism, where I was like, you know, uh, I thought it was that saying that women are just as bad as men, sure. I thought that saying that and thinking that was proving how truly into equality I was. See, I don't think that women are better than men. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not some pro, uh, uh women are bad, uh, women are uh, good, men are bad. No, that, you know, uh, that's what I used to kind of get defensive and then I started life uh, as, as an adult <laughs> and working. And I know, listen, I have had women break my heart and be very cruel to me, um, as we all have. And, you know, shout out to anyone who is um, triggered by me saying that or just remembering um, a sister who hurt them or a mother who, who uh, deeply injured them. Girl, I, I hear you. I feel you. Um, I have had sisters hurt me in ways that no man ever could again, because I have different expectations and have, and, and different vulnerabilities. Um, but, um, when I actually looked at the data, I saw, if you want to look at, just take any point, any point, um, uh, of, of human kind of uh, nature, you want to look at, um, uh, women don't sexually harass at the same rate nowhere close, uh, companies that have, um, uh, high rates of women, women dominated, uh, companies have very little sexual harassment, um, complaints in comparison to male dominated, um, uh, we, uh, women, don't commit crimes, uh, particularly violent crimes at the same rate, uh, women, um, in general, uh, are more pro-social, we think about other people, Um, it's, it's part of how we interact. Women are more lateral minded with, uh, uh, our leadership styles. We get buy-in. There's less of this hierarchical domination, my way here, the highway, you know? And so I, you know, it's very, I'm in a very weird position (laughs) where I still believe that no one is technically better than anyone else. And I know there's reasons for, you know, pro-social behavior and then versus individualistic behavior. Um, but shouldn't we give the people who demonstrate more pro-social, more collective good, more, you know, uh, family-oriented, future-oriented, nature-oriented, shouldn't we, no matter what, looking at the evidence, shouldn't we putting those people in leadership decision-making positions and not the people who think about themselves who think about you know uh i pulled myself by up by my own bootstraps and all of that um or i uh the the people who who um are are trying to get take away rights from others those people should not be in power people like vladimir putin should not Have the power he has. That's just the reality. And maybe this is the wake-up call we need. Maybe this is just what we were aching for. And it feels so gross to say that at the same time. Because the cost that the Ukrainian people are enduring... It's, it's unfair to say that, but I try to do the view from 20,000 feet and, you know, humans, we only change when we gotta. And I think, I think we need a good few wake up calls before we get our butts in gear and get angry enough to change, to grow, to evolve enough. Can we change enough? Can we grow enough? Can we evolve enough to save ourselves? Can we grow, change, evolve enough to create a world for our children that is worth living, that has equality in mind, that has the collective good, the greater good in mind? I argue yes, we absolutely can. And one of the ways we do that is to have the courage and the confidence to say those things, to say to your representative on your, your city council or your, um, uh, in your government, or, you know, even at work, like what about the greater good? What about making things better for each other? What about having a livable life? And, uh, thinking back again on, the reality of people in Ukraine and um I'm thinking of two things one um and I'll uh, I posted this and I can post it again there was a picture um it was artwork and it was uh of a modern day Mary and uh, I if, if you listen to the podcast you'll know I've had a bit of a um exploration with uh Mary um and just what she means, um, uh, little side note. So we were in Brussels last weekend. Uh, first time we went super cool. And, uh, so, uh, B- Belgium and Netherlands are very, uh, Roman Catholic, um, countries. So there's like a fair number of Roman Catholic churches and a lot of Marys around. It's really cool. Um, just like even like on houses on plaques, just, just more Marys than I grew up with, um, in, in Canada. And, um, so we go into this one antique shop and I love collecting these like different kinds of Marys, these old ones. And I go into this one antique shop in, in Brussels and there's an old man, Etienne was his name, um, who owned it. Uh, sweet, beautiful soul. And uh, so he he's very sweet to Violet and um, uh, she's like looking at toys. And then he, I, I tell him, I ask him about Mary and I say, we love Mary. And I'm like talking in my French and, and then he speaks to me in perfect English because <laughs> he was <laughs> my French just not great? And then um, uh, I ask about this Mary, and and I ask how much it is. Oh, she's very beautiful in uh, those antique shops. This is like downtown Brussels, like right next to the train station. So I expect it to be very expensive. But you could tell that he looked at a person and, and told them the price. Uh, and so uh, I, I get a Mary and then we start talking about Mary. And um, uh, then I guess it was around closing time. So he he says to me, he's like, do you want to see something? And, and Justin uh, and Violet uh, are there. It's like, sure. So he locks the door and he goes and he explains how he has had this antique shop for like 40 years in Brussels. He and his wife had been these collectors and he explains how uh they're kind of tired of doing the antique thing now and they're going to be doing a um turn it into a museum um I believe it's going to be called uh, the shop of curiosity and uh, they're going to take their collections and instead of selling all the antiques in their retirement they're turning it into a museum which is so cool but specifically what they had been collecting over these last few decades was um this kind of collection of collections so it was common um decades and even a century ago uh that for those who ha- had means um and, and even those who, who didn't have too much means uh that when you were a certain age and of course it's probably like late teens early 20s um that you would go on a voyage de uh, jeunesse so like voyage of the youth and you would hit up the major cities in Europe, and maybe even get to like Cairo, Egypt. And then amongst on your travels, which were supposed to change you and grow, um, you would pick items. And then you would have when you got home after your um, trip, you would have these special items that, that you gathered along your way to show and tell about your travels, but it was things that were specifically supposed to have spoken to you. And so they have collected these collections of these, these, these voyages of different people. It's so interesting, right? And of course, I think I've, I've felt like I've done that my whole life anyway, collecting things that have meant something to me and displaying them on my home in various ways. I'm sure you do too. So anyways, he takes us into this back room where they're just starting. Um, they got like one level of this three level museum done. And uh, I'm looking at all these the art is just unbelievable. And it's, it's not just, uh, European art. There's a lot of African art and, uh, Arabic art and Asian art. And, uh, there's this, specifically this gorgeous sculpture and it was of a woman and she was breastfeeding two babies and she was clearly an African woman. And so I asked Etienne, I was like, what can you tell me about this? And he says, cause we just, he talked about Mary a lot. He's like, well, you know, this is African Mary. <laughs> They're all the same. He says, he says, you know, we think that we've invented this. And, and he's like, you know, he names off all of these different um, African goddesses um, that were just like Mary and that you can get statues that looked like the, that, that uh, look just like Mary and Jesus. And I, this was a huge thing for me and my heart fluttered um, and cause I explained to him how it was part of my spiritual awakening when I was in the Louvre, uh, five years ago. And, um, I'm just there looking at art, cool, cool, cool. And then I'm like, oh, prehistoric, pre- cool, cool, cool. I was breastfeeding Violet at the time. So of course that was like on my mind, you know, uh, as I'm, as I'm looking around the Louvre and my, my breasts are filling up with milk and I see all these statues of breastfeeding, right? And it's like, wow, we've really, we've really been into this. Of course, the life givers, the nourishers of hard times, um, and, and why we're all alive, you know, uh, a hundred years ago, uh, formula wasn't really a thing. Uh, you, you used to get tin milk, right? And, and not everyone who, who got tin milk survived. And that's if you could afford tin milk. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, in the Louvre, I, the, what they had a huge collection of was, um, uh, kind of Egyptian, uh, area, uh, art and artifacts. Um, and I, there were so many, that were Horus uh, was in the lap of Isis and Horus has so much of the same story of Jesus of being born again. And on the third day and like all of this, these, these stories are not new. They're just regenerated. And Isis is, has a, a lot of ties to Mary as the, the life giver, the queen of heaven, healer all of that stuff and like you you could there was times when I literally in the same display uh there was uh statues of um Isis feeding Horace and Mary feeding Jesus and you could barely tell the difference and so and then we have Etienne in Brussels telling me about the African and he's like they're the same thing <laughs> and it was so very beautiful of this memory and this reality of of, of womanhood and motherhood and, and nourishing and how this has been part of our psyche. And again, going back to the theme, the topic of our show, if mothers ran the world there would be no more war. And that is so very true. And I did see on uh, uh, in the Ukrainian um, art, uh someone there was an MP uh called Lisa Velashenko, I believe is her name. Um she's an MP, she just went back into Kiev. I follow her on Twitter all the time. And she posted this gorgeous artwork of a modern she called it Ukraine Madonna and of course Madonna is another word for Mary. So Ukrainian Mary um and it was a an artwork uh piece um that was inspired by an actual photo of this twenty seven year old um, woman Olga who had shielded her baby, uh, six-week-old baby, from shrapnel from a blast, and she significantly got hurt, including in her head and all of that. Um, but her baby was okay. And the pictures of her breastfeeding her baby in the hospital, wrapped up, um, you know, scratches all over her plate herself. And so that picture is then photograph is then taken and put into art as the modern Mary. And I posted on one of the Mary groups that I'm on called the way of the rose, very beautiful group. If you're into Mary, uh, at all, or just want to know more about her, the way of the rose it's called. Um, and, uh, it was, it just struck me again. We are how, how Mary and the mother and this idea of a nurturing, loving person, energy, can come to us and, and, um, it's there in our psyche and our experiences and to see Mary, uh, come up and up again. So, um, yeah, this was the, this was just kind of all tied together to start us thinking and having that conversation. And if anything else, you know, for you can take any of my examples or if anything, um, I said stirs some curiosity, um, in you, uh, I, I encourage you to run with that and to have conversations, have conversations with your girlfriends, have conversations with your children, with your partners, with people standing in line, you know, wherever you can, because we need this kind of idea of mothers running the world, people who have the collective good, the greater good, people who want, who, who are inspired by life, you know, and this was it's so crazy, and just the juxtapositioning of, of the Russian, um, military, um, bombing a maternity hospital you know like it's like y- you're going after the life givers that is so anti-evolutionary that is so anti-human it, it is it, we, we it should be shocking to us because it is shocking and the world should respond accordingly and there's a lot of ways we can respond um and uh, you know the, that we haven't tried yet um, including, you know, a, a peaceful, uh, protest, you know, what, if, what if, uh, uh, important people of the world go to Ukraine right now and let Russia know, you know, to get through these people, you have to go through me, you know, and, and if you hurt them, okay, well then, you know, you're, you're going to get the wrath of, 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 um, uh, other countries. Uh, like there has to be an answer to brutality. There, you know, and just like a mother, a mother isn't always loving. A mother sometimes tells you, no, a mother sometimes says that's enough. A mother sometimes gets angry with you to demonstrate the boundaries. Uh, when, when you're, when you have antisocial behavior, when you're being unfair, when you, um, uh, are demonstrating, you know, uh, uh, aggression or, or violence, like there are times when we step up and we say no and enough. And we have to do that. And we have to do that now. This is our time. Um, And this isn't going to be a one night thing, one day thing, but this is, this is a critical mass. I can feel the change and maybe you can too. And so this podcast here and the work I do for Strong Women Co is, is, is it's what lights my fire and talking to you about this now um, is, is really, you know, my soul is happy. And it's like, she's like, finally, okay, I'll let you have peace now because you were supposed to talk about this in a broad way. Excellent. Okay. So I'm, I'm feeling almost a sense of relief to get this out because this is what we do. It's a pebble you throw in the pond and the rings, you know, the butterfly effect, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is how we change things. This is how we use our voices. We excite our throat chakras and say, you know, we want things to be different and we're going to make them different. And if we have to put ourselves, our bodies, our, our reputations, our whatever on the line, I guess that so be it. It is all worth it. If at the end we can have a world where we have equality We share our resources. You know, we look at the Minoans. Remember, I talk about the Minoans all the time. They didn't put any resources into war because they didn't have to. And they were so advanced technologically. Where could we be? Climate change would be figured out in a year if we took all of the money we put into weapons and put it into green energy, renewable energy. Now, now, now I'm all worked up. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, that has uh, planted some seeds for you, encouraged you uh, to, to, you know, be your woman self and get that woman voice. Blah, blah, blah. Your voice matters. And to speak up every time you can because the world needs you. To speak up, the world needs you to, to change this giant ship towards a direction where we can have a future and where we can have a, a humanity that is more beautiful and, and more collaborative and more about partnership, like nature, by the way, nature is constantly in partnership with one another, even if you eat each other, <laughs> uh, uh, and animals don't eat, don't kill for no reason they, they kill to, to feed, to sustain their own life. And that is what the goddess teaches us, right? The original trinity, birth, death, and rebirth. And this is what we need to internalize so we can be strong, so we can be confident, and so that we can get to a place where mothers run the world so that there is no more war. For our featured song of the show, it's a Jennifer Berezin. Song. Uh, it's her and just Jennifer Berezin and Friends. And uh, Jennifer Berezin is a unique blend of singer, songwriter, activist. Um, over the course of her 10 albums, her music has been shaped by lifelong involvement in environmental, women's, and justice movements, as well as Buddhist practice. Her Buddhist practice. And uh, her songs often confront universal issues. Her perspective is informed by an intimacy with these issues and just kind of being her music is just very soothing um and nourishing and she was raised in the prairies of Alberta Canada and the healing power of nature is at the heart of her work this song in particular I have for you today was one when I was feeling very overwhelmed I posted it on the tribe so if you're a member of the tribe maybe you've seen it already it's in these arms a songs for all beings Um, and it was when I was feeling overwhelmed with everything going on in Ukraine and uh, in elsewhere um, and just kind of feeling powerless um, to help and really wanting to help uh, like a lot of empaths and sensitive people and so the words to this, um, you know, some of the lyrics are, I cannot understand the suffering that life brings, war, hate, and hunger, a million other things. When I've done all that I can, I try to do my part. Let sorrow be a doorway into an open heart and let the light of the hills full of mercy, the wind and the trees come to save me. The silence will never desert me. I will hold the whole world in these arms. And the chorus is the real beautiful part. And it says, may all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. May all beings everywhere be free. And that's really what all of us want um, in this life is to be free. And um, if we could just kind of park that in our psyche and know that we all want to be free. We all want to live livable lives uh, where we can be around loved ones, where we know where our next meal's coming from and we have a comfortable roof over our heads. These are the things uh, that, that we want and there's no reason in the world that every human couldn't have those things. It's just when we get into this domination mindset that I'm going to take what you have or I'm going to take more than my share that's when we get into trouble and you know it can be very overwhelming um uh, being a thinking feeling person right now but I do lean into art like this song and and the the art of other activists who are really feeling this for us and of course art helps us process and uh so that you know we can kind of remember that we're all connected and uh praying and meditating and sending good thoughts uh you know it it does help um as, as well as the actions and the voicing that we need to do So I hope you enjoy this song. Um, It's one to kind of maybe, it's kind of like a dreamy kind of melody to it. Um, I certainly uh, enjoy it. It fills up my heart when I hear it, you know, especially the chorus part. And it's just a beautiful prayer. May all beings be free. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. It's like a loving-kindness meditation, and I think you'll enjoy it. All right, so we'll see you in two weeks from now. Mad, mega love. um, Enjoy this beautiful, amazing song from Jennifer Bresin. I cannot turn my eyes.
0: I cannot count All that has been broken, all that has been lost, I cannot understand the suffering that life brings, war and hate. a million other things When I've done all that I can And I try to do my part Let sorrow be the doorway open heart